Hello, this is Tony Blazer back with another podcast for the Motocross Vault. What this one's going to cover is a quick recap of last night's race in Daytona, round 10 of the 2020 AMA Monster Supercross Series. Daytona is always a very interesting event. The track, because of the way it's laid out in the infield there, the speedway, they're kind of limited in what they can do. Uh, it definitely lends itself to a more outdoor feel in general. The track is typically much faster. The soil is you know sand-based for most of it, so it breaks down quite a bit more. It always makes for an interesting race. I wouldn't say it always makes for the best track, though. It seems like um, the degradation of the track typically tends to be the biggest uh, kind of challenge to the riders, the fact that the jumps get all rutted out and chewed up and stuff. So I wouldn't say they're usually the most technical race track in terms of the design, but it ends up being pretty tricky by the end of the night. I'd say that was kind of the, the case last night. I didn't think the track was the best. It was it seemed very narrow. I mean, that's another, probably another uh, problem you have with the limited area you have to work with. It's more long than it is wide, but... Some of the interesting like split sections, it seems like some of the guys uh, made it work. But in general, I didn't think it was the best track for passing. Um, some guys, like I said, Eli obviously made it work for him. But other in other races, it was kind of like whoever got the whole shot kind of ran away from it. But as I said, it's always a unique event. And definitely, uh, I kind of loved it when it was a day race. It really had a different feel than it was back way back in the day. It was in the middle of national. So you'd really have Supercross. You'd have this. And then you'd have Gainesville, which was an outdoor national. And then you'd have to go back to Supercross. So. I think none of the teams really like that, having to switch back and forth. But even though technically this is a Supercross, you heard the guys like Chase Sexton saying they had to kind of try and struggle with the setup a little bit to find more of an outdoor-style setup uh, that would work on this track. So it always lends itself to uh, maybe some different um, different outcomes. you got guys like Mike Kodrowski was never much of a Supercross uh, racer, uh, winning this event many times. McGrath early on struggled at it because he was, you know, this was more like an outdoor type deal. And you got a guy like now Eli, who clearly is, uh, he's great indoors and out, but everybody would say, you know, his dominant outcomes are typically outdoors more than in. And uh, this kind of usually plays it into his uh, his strength. As to the race itself, this was the 50th running of the Daytona event. Uh, last night you had Honda's teams, both the MCR team and the factory Honda team running kind of retro style graphics. I thought that was very cool. Um, the new bikes don't always look great with like the weird little round number plates and stuff, but it's neat that they do a little homage to it. I like the all red and the, of course the iconic Honda wing, anything that kind of mixes things up. I'm always a fan of, and I thought the, the kind of feel of the event was, was pretty cool having the 50th anniversary of the event. Um, it was a great win for Eli last night. Congratulations, you know, props to him. He got what I would say is a pretty good start for him. I think he was sixth off the start, which considering the way his starts usually go, I thought that was actually pretty good. Um, but he had a lot of fast guys in front of him. He had Barsha to go through. Barsha had uh, said he he would be happy to take him out to prevent him from winning the title after their uh, kind of uh, rough and tumble race last week. So I thought we could get some fireworks there. He had uh, Anderson with the whole shot. He had Cooper in front of him. And then, of course, Kenny quickly made the pass. And initially I thought, okay, he's going to check out like he did last week. He's going to go out there, put some hard laps in, and just run away. And then maybe by the time Eli got to the second or so, he'd be gone. But didn't really turn out that way. Eli... Really was pressing hard, made a lot of made the track work in spite of the fact I said I didn't think it was easy to pass on. He made it work by I don't know maybe a halfway point or so. I started had the feeling that Eli okay he's coming there. Uh, some of the guys were turning faster lap times than Ken, so it wasn't like Kenny was running away with it like he was last week. He didn't have some thirty second lead on everybody, so it started to feel like it was inevitable. And then you know as by the time he got into third, you're like okay this is only a matter of time. So great race for Eli, and I think he. Just as it had been for the previous events where you felt like Eli was on a roll and Kenny had to break that streak, I think you had the same feeling from Eli last night that he doesn't want Kenny to get on a roll, especially at a race that he's pretty much expected to win. I think everybody thought that you know the chances are pretty good that Eli would win this race. So for him to come out and uh, win the event, pass Kenny for the lead, 
uh, was you know kind of a statement thing there. I will say I was proud of Kenny to stay tough. Kenny definitely uh, made him work for it at the end. He was real close. I, I think I don't know if Eli made a mistake or maybe maybe once Kenny got behind him, he kind of picked up on his lines. But he was pretty close at the end. If he'd had another lap or two, I don't know if he makes a pass, but he certainly kept it honest. It wasn't like. Um, you know, at very first when Eli went by, like, oh, God, he's going to check out now. He's gone. But then you know, kind of got reeled back in. So made for a good race in spite of the fact that uh, there wasn't a whole lot of passing at the very front till the end. Uh, there was a lot of action behind it. Barsha, again, I was expecting there to be a little fireworks there. And then he dropped it in that, that sand turn, kind of womp womp. It was the end of the fun there. I was kind of hoping those two get into it again. It's always entertaining, but didn't work out. Uh, Cooper... Very impressed with Cooper Webb. He seems like he's back up to speed. After that crash, what, three weeks ago, whatever, it's pretty impressive that he's riding so well. I mean, honestly, he needs to be winning these races if he's going to get back in the title. I think he's a little over a, one race down now. So the title fight may be over. I mean, it's it would take a massive problem by two guys for him to probably catch back up at this point. If it was one guy, you say, okay, maybe the bike blows up or a DNF, some fluky thing. For both Kenny and Eli to have that happen, probably not going to happen. Um, I hope Cooper gets a win or two here. It's kind of a, at least he did, um, didn't get completely embarrassed or anything this year. It's been not the best title defense. You know, he was having a little struggle early on, but he seems to have been picking it up here at the end. And then maybe he'll get a win or two at the end. I, again, I don't think he's going to defend that title, but it, overall it's a better season. Certainly than Anderson had last year where he, you know, was mediocre and then rode pretty well and then was out. So Anderson, I think he's got to be a little bit disappointed with the fourth after he got the whole shot. It's funny. This feels more like. Anderson's median speed or whatever, he's going to be a top five guy, maybe a top three guy. Um, I don't know that he's that much of a threat to win most of the time. And it, it, it does make his Supercross title in 2018 feel more like an outlier. Uh, I don't want to say he lucked into that because he did earn the title, but he had a lot of, a lot of the guys like Eli and Marv had a lot of problems that year. Maybe it's just one of those situations like in 97 with Jeff Emig where he gets that one title and then really never does it again. I, I don't know. I mean, I like Jason. I just don't know that he has showed that I don't know whether he, I, I honestly don't know if it's a matter of the ability or the desire or what's going on there, but he just doesn't seem to have that same fire like a guy like Cooper Webb where you feel like, okay, he, maybe he's not getting it done right now, but you can see on the podium, he's pissed when he doesn't win. He's got that uh, eye of the tiger, kind of like a, you know, a Rick Johnson or even a Ricky Carmichael or somebody does when they, they expect to win. When they don't win, they're horribly disappointed. Jason, at least he has that personality where it seems like, yeah, he's just happy to be there and he's having a good time. That could be... I'm reading too much into it. I don't know. Uh, but I would like to see him win a few races. I will say I liked his gear last night. Normally I hate Jason's gear. It's usually pretty boring. Um, well, I hate a pretty strong word. It's usually boring. It's just black and white rock star stuff. Certainly nothing as cool as this iconic Fox stuff. And actually I liked that gear last night. That was pretty good looking stuff. Tough night for Blake Baggett. Gotta feel bad for that guy. He's having a tough year. Um, I, get, I think he has a multi-year contract, so it's not like he's going to get dropped, but... Uh, BTO KTM has to be, uh, actually Rocky Mountain KTM, sorry, has to be pretty bummed out that uh, things are going this way for him. I, I looked like he crashed off right off the start or right on the start and then pulled out. I'm not sure. Looked like he might have hurt his shoulder. Hopefully he's okay. I don't know. Um, overall, though, you know, tough, tough, tough night uh, for, for Blake and the KTM team. Um, I would say that uh, Plessinger had a good night in terms of uh, sixth. Uh, six, that's I don't know if this is best finish, but it's got to be close. I mean, Talk about another guy who's been really disappointing. Certainly much more than Anderson is Plessinger. I don't know if he's under contract again for next year, but it's got to be a tough situation for Yamaha. They, they, I'm sure they paid him a lot of money, and he has definitely not lived up to that. I don't know. We'll see what happens next year. In the 250s, you had a very surprising ride by Garrett Marchbanks. I didn't see that coming at all. I mean, 
Um, I think he was a rookie last year, so maybe he got one podium. I think in a mud race, if I remember right. But it wasn't like he was setting the world on fire. And this year, he's been, you know, most of the Kawasaki guys on the East, at least, have been crashing every round and not really showing much in the way of uh, speed other than, you know, a few few laps and then crash, few laps and then crash. So when he got out front, I was like, well, I don't think this is going to last long. I, the first thing I said was, I think he'll definitely crash out or something here pretty quickly. But it turned out that he didn't. He, he stayed, kept him honest and uh, ran out front. Really great ride for him. Very impressive. Uh, kudos to you, Garrett. Uh, maybe many to come. Had to be the saving grace for Mitch's night because it looks like uh, you had uh, his other teammate go down in a pretty ugly looking... Actually, the crash wasn't that bad. It looked like he just kind of fell. What I, my worry was when Mikel Rath, you know, he got a pretty good start. I think he kind of pushed it a little bit there trying to make a pass early. Uh, I'm sure he, seeing who's out front, he thought, okay, I can pass this guy and I can win this race. So I get that. And it wasn't really a bad crash, many means, and a bad pass. Uh, but I think it looked like maybe he got his leg pinned underneath the bike or twisted his knee somehow. I, um, I, like I said, I've blown out my knee like three times. So I was like, oh my God, uh, I felt bad for the guy. Hopefully he didn't uh, tear his ACL or something there. Uh, so hopefully Jordan Smith's going to be okay. And uh, I don't know though. It didn't look like he could bear any weight on it. So it's hard to say. I, I haven't seen any of the reports on it, but hopefully he's okay. So get well, Jordan. Um, up front after March Bank, she had Sexton. I, it seemed like he was kind of disappointed. Like, on the podium, he was talking about how his, his setup wasn't right. And again, uh, Daytona is a very weird event. It's totally different than any of the Supercross. So I could see how that could be a problem. And he really just didn't have anything for Garrett up front. So uh, I think the thing he has to take away from this, though, is he he pulled out like the 10 points now on, on McElrath. So even though he didn't win the event, he beat the guys he needs to beat. I, I don't think most people, including myself, are thinking March Banks is much of a threat for the title. Uh, I mean, I guess he could come back. And so anything could happen. The 250s are always crazy. But in general, the guys he needed to beat, Hampshire or McElrath, he did. Uh, he had those guys behind him. So good ride for Sexton. Like I said, he's proven me wrong, um, making me a believer. He's definitely uh, way better than I expected this year. And it looks like he's a pretty good threat to keep this number one plate. Behind him, you had guys like, as I said, Mikel Rath getting a fifth. He has to be disappointed with that. And like I said, he's down, I think, 10 now points to him. After being tied, I think maybe two rounds ago, is definitely not going in the right direction. Uh, I, I don't know what happened after the crash. He didn't go that far back, I don't think. It was it just looked like a little tip over. Now, it's early, early in the race, so you might lose a bunch of spots. I don't know. I didn't look at that closely, what happened after that. But to only come back to a fifth has got to be disappointing for him. Uh, I'm sure he's thinking he's going to get better than that. Uh, Jeremy Martin, good bounce back for third. Uh, I know he was hoping he'd win this event. You know, I think he got a third, maybe, or maybe a second. I remember a couple years ago on a 450, he jumped out here and, and really was like, holy crap, everybody was amazed at that. Uh, so I'm sure he was thinking he might do a little better than a third, but still good race, especially after last week. He was lucky not to get hurt in that crash. So, uh, again, I think Jeremy's best hopes for a title are outdoors, clearly. That's what I'm sure Geico's thinking, and uh, most of the other people certainly employing him are thinking that he's going to be uh, a good threat when the when the outdoor season starts. So for him to get a podium, great finish for Geico Honda. They had two guys on the podium. That's great for them. Overall, for the event, it was a good night of racing. Uh, again, I don't think the track was the best, but it was exciting at the front. Uh, certainly had some yard sales early in the heat races and stuff to keep things entertaining. Daytona's always fun. It's not my favorite Supercross race to watch, but... Um, it is different, which is always entertaining to have something a little different. So hopefully next weekend, I think next week is Indy, so we're going to be much more back to a traditional uh, indoor style event, and uh, hopefully that'll have some good racing as well. So uh, if you like this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to the channel, uh, give it a like and a share on social media. I very much appreciate that. Uh, I just posted another video last week. I think it's now uh, for on the history of the KDX 200. If you'd like to check that out, I'd appreciate that. I also have done some histories of the CR80, uh, also the XR250 and a bunch of other vehicles as well. 
I'm also working right now on a top 10 Husqvarna article for Pulp MX where I write with Steve Mathis. And then I'll be doing an accompanying video here as well. So trying to compile all the Swedish, actually the Swedish, Italian, uh, German, and Austrian. Husqvarna is interesting. They've had a quite a storied history. They're over a hundred year old mark that's had like four owners, which is pretty uh, interesting. I guess, I guess it's a testament that uh, people, people like nobody was fighting to Bible taco or Mako when they went out of business. Uh, but people have continually kept Husqvarna going. So they're definitely an interesting brand and they've had some beautiful bikes and some really hideous bikes over the year years. Maybe I'll do a top 10 uh, best looking and a top uh, a lowest 10 ugliest ones too, because they could definitely fill out that list as well, in my opinion. <laughs> so in any case, this is Tony Blazer. Uh, check out my sponsor, Blinzol. And uh, until we meet again, keep the rubber side down. Peace.